This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Last words are not always famous, unless you're a prophet of the Almighty. Moses, King David, Solomon, and Peter each had famous last words of wisdom that are as relevant today as when they were written. But are we listening? In this four-episode series, Michael Rood focuses on the last words of the most influential prophets of the Bible. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom, Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. You are about to hear the most important words in the Bible, the last words of Moses, King David, Solomon, Peter, and Yeshua. This is famous last words. Now, Michael recorded this series a while ago, but it was way ahead of its time. So when you listen to these, you'll think they're live because the information is more relevant now than it was when they were recorded some four or five years ago. And speaking of time, it is the final Shabbat of the eighth month on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar right here. You can get one of these for yourself at rudeawakening.tv slash calendar because this calendar goes all the way through June of 2022. So there's plenty of time left, well worth the investment. Now, please welcome my co-host for today's show, the Chief Operating Officer of Arud Awakening International, Ted Clayton. Well, Scott, thank you for letting yes, me sir. be here today. We're just gonna have such a great time here on Shabbat Night Live this evening. Everybody, welcome and Shabbat Shalom. You know, uh, Ted, uh, an important thing to have in this day and age when so many things are up in the air is uh, a ham radio. Yes. And not just to receive information, that's what I have at home. I have one of these hand crank ham, ham radios. Like a shortwave receiver. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, a shortwave receiver, not uh -huh. a ham radio, but yeah, you are fun. a ham radio operator. I am. And you've been doing something with a, a rude awakening and there's a, there's a change we need to make. If you could explain what that's all about. Absolutely, Scott. You know, um, a couple of months back, we uh, announced our new Messianic Net initiative. And I know a lot of the ham radio out there, uh, ham radio operators out there are uh, a little miffed right now because I can't hear on the frequency that we picked out, which I think was on the 80 meter band. Uh, we did tests and tests on that thing. And then all of a sudden, as uh, we went into the Tuesday evenings at uh, uh, 8 p.m., all of a sudden we got noise, or as ham radio people call it, QRM, the likes of which you wouldn't see. So I would call out and call out, and I wouldn't be able to hear anyone. Mm. And it was just very um, distressing for me. And I know it's distressing for a lot of the ham radio folks who are really looking forward to it. But here's the deal. I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna move frequencies. We're gonna go down to the 40 meter band, and we're gonna try it down there. I'm gonna really do some good research here over the next week or so and see what what frequencies are the clearest for me uh, at night, especially at that time of night? And just watch our Facebook page, folks. We're going to post what the frequency is going to be for our Messianic Net. Uh, we're going to do that uh, on Facebook, so you'll be able to do it. So just go to the Michael Rood Facebook page and be watching out for the new frequency that we're going to use for Messianic.net. Sorry, guys. I wish I could hear, hear better. I got plenty of people call me saying, Ted, I'm hearing you fine. Can't you hear me? Now, I'm afraid I couldn't for whatever reason. We also had some antenna issues that I had to work out as well. So we're going to try it again. Don't give up. We're, we're still believing that ham radio, when all else fails, ham radio works. So we're going we're gonna to keep trying. We're going to keep making, making this thing happen until the Messianic Net is a huge success. So you hang in there with me, and we'll do it. All right. Thank you for doing that, Ted, because I know that's going to be an important means of communication. Now, because even when yeah. cell phones go down, you can still have ham radio, right? Well, absolutely. You know, um, my wife and I were part of the, disaster that was Hurricane Katrina back in 2005. And the only thing that worked, ladies and gentlemen, 
was ham radio. I mean, cell towers were down. Uh, the only thing that you really had through cell was data, mm. and it was sketchy in most places. Uh, we lived in New Orleans, which is basically an island to itself, and when all the bridges were destroyed, all the communication links were destroyed. So ham radio is a very, very, very important uh, facet of being prepared for what's going to come to pass. And I'm afraid with all the things that we're starting to see now in the world, Scott, that I'm really, I'm really thinking that uh, ham radio today is more important than ever with all the stuff. So once again, you guys just hang with me and we'll get that messianic net up and running. Absolutely. And uh, we were talking before the cameras came on that if people are not, if, if believers especially are not yeah. preppers in some form or fashion now, yeah. You need to be. Yeah, you need you to really be. Need you know, to be. Uh, just a uh, you know uh, something that happened. You know, just recently, I went uh, to one of the big box chain stores. I won't say which one it was, but my wife and I walked in, and we were confounded by the fact that many, many, many of the shelves were just taken up by these huge, large pop bottle uh, displays. Well, they were empty shelves and they were just trying to fill the shelves. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to know, now is the time to get prepared for what could be, in the future, worse times. Mm -hmm. Well, preparing for that, mm -hmm. we, we need to keep the show going because we yeah. need to keep your spirit uh, up as well. Absolutely. In addition Absolutely. to having food and water and all that kind of thing. And the best way that we can do that is with uh, donations that come through the ministry. And Absolutely. I know, Ted, you want to talk about um, end, end, end of year giving in just a second here. But yeah. right now, uh, we've just started a new month. And so we have yes. a love gift. This is one of our biggest fundraisers every month. Uh, if you give to us through the love gift program, Michael says, I want to give back to those who are you know, giving to this program and helping it keep uh, going. Uh, and these are not, you're not buying these things. Michael just says, I want to give them a gift. Absolutely. And so this is what we have this month. And this month it's uh, Carl Gallup's, a good friend of ours. Uh, he decided to come and help us with the love gift. And he has something called the meaning of life. And so this is, a, no, it's not the Monty Pythons. It's, <laughs> it's something different. <laughs> no. It's a lot more serious than that. Yeah. Uh, so it's the meaning of life. It's a great uh, teaching by Carl Gallup's. Uh, we'll give this to you for a donation of $50 or more. And we thank you for that in advance. If you'd like to give $100 or more, you'll get the teaching, but you'll also get a couple of neat things here. Uh, one of it's being this silver plated menorah. Uh, that you can display in your home. Beautiful little thing. And people can say, what's that all about? You can explain your faith, of sure. course. And then what have you got there, Ted? Well, I have got one of the most beautiful shalom tile pieces that you could possibly imagine. And put, think about putting this in your home. Now, you can hang it because it has a little hanger on mm -hmm. the back so you can display it proudly, uh, not uh, as part of a tile set. But wouldn't this look great in your kitchen or a bathroom, uh, whereas this is the center tile? Piece. This is a real tile. I mean, it's set mm -hmm. just as a real tile piece. And if you were retiling your home or doing something like that, this would be a fantastic centerpiece for that tile stuff. Mm -hmm. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> as they say, yes. Yeah. And if you, if you give $300 or more to, to the ministry, we'll give you all that, of course. And, and of course, this is a beautiful uh, depiction here of the Lion of Judah. Yes. Uh, looking over ancient Jerusalem. Uh, the, it says the Lion of Judah, Guardian of Jerusalem at the bottom there. And this will be in addition to everything here for a gift of 300 And that more. is absolutely beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to want to display this proudly in your home. Now, Ted, uh, in addition to that, we just have a few seconds left, but I know you wanted to talk about end of year giving and how important that is. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we can't do this without you. And it's very, very, very important that we stand together. We stand with Michael and as he continues to heal from his uh, strokes and stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the time of year where we plan 2022. So we have to know what funds are coming into the ministry to be able to support the ministry in the future and to be able to do fresh and new initiatives. Next week, we're gonna talk about different things like uh, our initiatives in China and other different initiatives, ladies and gentlemen. It costs money to do these things. And we really ask that you prayerfully consider giving to A Root Awakening here at the end of year. Ladies and gentlemen, I promise you, you could not make a better investment in the kingdom than giving right here to A Root Awakening. All right, thank you, Ted. All right, last words are not always famous, unless you're a prophet of the Almighty, that is. Moses, King David, Solomon, and Peter each had famous last words in addition to Yeshua, and they were all words of wisdom that are as relevant today as when they were first written. So stay tuned for famous last words right after the Kiddush with Michael coming up in two minutes. Oh. 
ancient Pharisees and new believers alike have struggled with the same question. What does it mean to be born again? Using simple examples from Yehovah's creation, Pastor Carl Gallops reveals the mystery of the gospel in this month's Love Gift teaching. How can we become a new creature and just live this exotic life? Well, how does a caterpillar become a butterfly and fly through the air when it used to slink along the ground as a grub? In this month's Love Gift teaching, The Meaning of Life, Pastor Carl Gallops will challenge you to simplify what you understand about the Bible and encourage you to trust Yehovah with things that the human mind cannot comprehend. Right now, for a limited time, you can get your copy of The Meaning of Life by donation. Donate a $50 love gift and we'll send you The Meaning of Life on DVD or Blu-ray. Or for a donation of $100, we'll send you The Meaning of Life, plus a silver-plated menorah collectible, and this decorative accent tile with the word Shalom in English and Hebrew. Or as a special offer, for a donation of $300, we'll send you The Meaning of Life, the menorah collectible and accent tile, plus a beautiful framed canvas of the Lion of Judah watching over ancient Jerusalem. These are special gifts from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Don't wait. The Meaning of Life is available only until November 30th and supplies are limited. Call now to receive your gifts. 888-766-3610. That's 888-766-3610. Or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. On Friday, the sixth day of the week, the markets in Jerusalem are filled with challah that is done differently than it is any other day of the week. On that day, the challah is covered with honey and it is covered with raisins because it is a shadow picture of when the Messiah reigns upon the earth in the Sabbath day or the Sabbath millennium when life on earth will be sweet. Yeshua, the last night, that he had with his disciples before his crucifixion, he took bread and he blessed the Most High. And he said, Baruch atah Yehovah Eloheinu melech ha'olam, homotzi lechem min ha'aretz. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And he said, this represents my body, which will be broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so the sanctification of the Sabbath, the Kiddush that we do, sets apart this day and sets apart this very thing that we had rehearsed from the time that Yeshua gave this to his disciples. And then Yeshua blessed the Most High with this blessing that Melech Zadik said to Abraham when he blessed the Most High. Baruch atah Yehovah Eloheinu Malach HaOlam Berei Pri HaGafen. Blessed are you, Yehovah, Our God, the King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, this represents the renewed covenant paid for in my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. With that, we do exhibit the Lord's death and what he paid for our redemption until he comes. Whenever we get the opportunity to read the last words of anyone in the scripture, we see a culmination of a person's life, all their wisdom, and what the Almighty wants them to communicate in the very last words, their last breath in this life. Not all the time do we hear great words of wisdom from those with which we are accompanying at the time of their death, but 
when we read the words of King David, and these are recorded for us, we are giving, being given instruction here that is being passed on down to Solomon, his son. And so please turn to 2 Samuel chapter 23, and we are going to begin reading in verse one. These are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse said, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed by the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, and this is you know, going back and just grabbing every but bit of his life. First of all, he is the son of Jesse. He was a man that was made king and anointed by the God of Israel. He was the sweet psalmist of Israel and prophesied and set in place the temple liturgy. David's temple liturgy was put in place before there was a temple. And at the time of Hezekiah and Josiah, uh, hundreds of years into the future, we see that it is those kings, when they celebrated the Feast of Passover, they celebrated according to all the ordinances of King David, because David, as Peter said on the day of Pentecost, Shavuot, that David was a prophet who saw beforehand the coming of the Messiah. David had to have revelation for him as the king to go in before the Ark of the Covenant when it was finally brought up correctly on the shoulders of the priest from Shiloh to Jerusalem. When he tried it the first time, he did it illegally. He put it on his own ox cart, he danced before the ox cart, and because of that, a priest ended up dead. Then, after it stayed, the ark stayed in the house of Obed-Edom for a period of time, and King David saw how blessed Obed-Edom was, then he determined that he was going to do it correctly. And so he did it correctly. So David had to have revelation or he would have been dead approaching the ark, going in before the ark of the covenant, he being a king and not the priest. And so now David, who by revelation writes these Psalms and prophesies concerning the coming Messiah, who saw beforehand, such as Psalm 22, saw the crucifixion of Yeshua and described it in, in such detail that Yeshua actually quotes it from the cross himself. And people are watching it as it unfolds right there before their eyes. This is the one who said, verse two, the spirit of Yehovah spake by me. He spake by me. And in other words, just as Peter said, he was moved by the Spirit of God and he spoke and his word was in my tongue. And there is nothing greater in life than to experience that you are actually speaking revelation from heaven that has been given to you so that you can put that out and that it can be grasped, that it can be held onto. And this is the sweet psalmist, this is what he is saying, that the Spirit, of Yehovah spake by me, his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me. The rock, the rock, the rock. And we're going to see this very thing that, that this rock is referring to the Messiah. And that is why Moses was not allowed to go in the promised land because he was told the first time to strike the rock 40 years later, when they were thirsty again, he was told to declare the rock. But instead of declaring the rock, he struck it again. And for that reason, both he and Aaron were forbidden from going into the promised land because they destroyed the prophetic shadow picture of the Messiah as the rock who was to be smitten once and then declared. Because he didn't declare him, we didn't get to see the full picture of the Messiah. He destroyed it. And that is why he was forbidden from going in. But David said, I spoke to the rock. This rock spoke to me. And this is what is recorded, the last words of King David. He that rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of Almighty God. You have to respect him, you have to fear him, you have to know that he has your life in his hands. And when you understand that you are there, and just like Nebuchadnezzar, which would happen generations later, just like this, the words that came out of his mouth, bam, 
He lost his mind for seven years, chained like an animal to a stump outdoors. His nails, fingernails, grew like, a, like an eagle's fingernails. An absolute madman, and that is how close any of us are for our lights to go out. And you must be just, he that rules over men. These words are particularly important for Solomon, his son, who will rule over men, listen up. And he, he that rules over men, in the fear of God shall be as the light of the morning. When the sun rises, even a clear morning without clouds after the rain, and as the tender grass springing out of the earth with its dewdrops glistening in the morning sun. He is going to be refreshing. He will be a ruler who is refreshing to the soul, who will provide insight and wisdom, such as Solomon did in the, the incident in which the two women came before him with a, a child, the issue of the child, and with his wisdom from above, Solomon said, okay, no fighting over this baby. He called for a swordsman, cut the baby in half and give each one half. And one woman said, that's just. The other one said, no, give the baby to the other woman. Solomon said, that is a true mother. See, that was a refreshing. To, to have a man of that wisdom sitting in the throne of Israel who was ruling justly, that is like the dewdrops glistening in the morning sun. And David has to confess, although my house may not be right with God. And he knows that, that something is desperately wrong because of the entire attempt of Adoniah, his son. Adoniah, which is Yah is my Lord. Yah is my Lord. Even though he had the right name, he attempted to usurp the throne. And because of that, we're gonna see that Solomon later has to put him to death because he can't be trusted. He is a liar, he is a thief, he's doing anything he can behind the scenes. It wasn't obvious at first. If it were, David could have taken care of it, but no, no. He then started to mount his attack. And so he knows that his house is not right. Yet he hath made me an everlasting covenant. And David was given the kingdom forever and his offspring by a covenant of salt. Not a blood covenant, but a covenant of salt. He is ordered, ordered. It's, everything is in order and sure because of this covenant that he made. This covenant is my salvation and all my desire. Everything I could desire is wrapped up in this covenant the Almighty made with me. Even though I know my family, some of them, they're in a mess but yet I know that he is the one that made the covenant, for he shall make my house to grow. But all the sons of Belial are like thorns that must be uprooted. And anytime we see the terminology sons of Belial, we, we are dealing with, number one, we're dealing with sexual perversion. We are dealing more often with liars, people who have no conscience, who will lie and deceive people in order to get what they want out of life. These are the sons of Belial. They are deceivers, they're tricksters. They are ones that will violate the commandments of the Almighty in order to get what they want. The sons of Belial are like thorns that must be uprooted. These are the last words. Listen, these are the words that, that Solomon has to hear. And we need to hear these things because human nature doesn't change. There's nothing new under the sun, which doesn't mean that everything that's happening now, what happened once before, and it's just repeating, no. There's nothing new under the sun in that the sons of Belial are like thorns, they must be uprooted, be careful. They cannot be taken with bare hands. In other words, this is not just a job for the flesh. The, the man that handles them must be protected with an iron glove and must use the long staff of a spear. That's how the sons of Belial must be taken care of. He shall utterly destroy them wherever they grow. And one of the first things that Solomon did after the death of his father David is he went out and he sent his men out and he killed the sons of Belial. The ones that he knew were going to fight against him, the ones that had turned their back on David, he knew that they would come after him. And so when his wisdom, that he prayed to the Almighty, he gave him wisdom, and the wisdom, first of all, came because the rock told Solomon, what, excuse me, David, what to tell his son. And so the sons of Belial, 
in the religious system are the same way today, ladies and gentlemen. They are thorns. They have to be uprooted. But you have to be careful. You can't handle them with bare hands. They have to be handled in the spirit. And you have to respond by the spirit. You have to be able to receive word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. And then exercise, faith, miracles, gifts of healing. These are the things that, that the spirit of the Almighty within, that is how these things have to be handled. The man that handles them has to be protected with an iron glove and use the long staff of a spear. And he has to utterly destroy them where they go. And that's why we see when we get into the last words in the epistles, especially with Peter, that he has to use a iron glove and a long staff of a spear because of the pseudo-propheticos, the false prophets and the false apostles that have invaded the body of believers. This is what Jude has to handle in his statement because evil men had crept in, turned the grace of God into license. They are evil, they are evil. They are sons of Belial and they have to be handled by the spirit and they have to be uprooted. They have to be handled with an iron glove, a long staff of a spear and they have to be destroyed. And the Almighty is the one who brings all this in his judgment. It's when the rock speaks, then the rockets better listen. Now I'd like to go to 2 Peter, the last words of Peter. We've handled some of these things in our previous series. Wherefore, and again, whenever you see the wherefore, you have to ask why for the wherefore? What's the therefore, therefore? Why for the wherefore? Wherefore means why, why is it, okay? Or this is why, this is why I will not be negligent. This is Second uh, Peter chapter one, verse 12. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you already know them, and are established in the present truth. And this, this term, established in the present truth, see, all of the scripture is truth. Yeshua is truth but it is the truth that is reality and present right now that we are led into. And that is what, that, that puts us on the cutting edge. What is the present truth? What are we supposed to be doing now to get the gospel of the kingdom out to the world? This is the, the question for us. There is a present truth, something that is presently before us that we must focus in on and we cannot get sidetracked and this is what the sidetrack is happening here in the very first, first century. Yea, I think it meet, it's appropriate as long as I'm in this body, tabernacle, to stir you up, putting you in remembrance, knowing, knowing, and this is what he knows, that I shortly must put off this, my tabernacle. I'm going to die, okay? Let's make it real plain. I'm going to die. Yeshua, the rock, has showed me that I am going to die. Moreover, I'll endeavor, I'll do my best to that, that you may be able, after I die, to always have these things in remembrance. And so that's why he's writing them down. Remember, remember, remember. Because we have not followed cunningly devised fables. And he's gonna go on because there are others, that's exactly what they did. That one line, he's gonna spend a chapter, an entire chapter, laying out these cunningly devised fables and the people who have perpetrated these things and why they did them. We have not followed follow cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming, the personal presence of our Lord Yeshua Messiah, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He goes on, he says, for we received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. When he said, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased, he takes us right back to that mountaintop. On Yom Kippur, when the Almighty said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, the second of three times that there is a voice from heaven, and he says, in this voice, which came from heaven, we heard when we were with them in the holy mount. 
we have a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well that you take heed. He's saying, just like we heard the voice from heaven then, the word that I'm speaking to you now, he says, is that word from heaven. I am instructing you before I die so that you are not taken hostage, so that you are not led about by these pseudo-propheticos, these false prophets. You do well to take heed because it's like a light that shines into the darkness. And it's, it's a light that shines until the day dawns. And, and, and this is, you know, it, it's, a, it's a light. It's not the day dawning light. It's not Yeshua coming back light. It's enough so that we understand this. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen, knowing this first. Here is that light. This is like this, this, this very bright flashlight that shines, shines in the darkness that we need in this age knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture, no foretelling, nothing that came out, no prophecy is of any idios epilusos, of any private interpretation, of one's own letting loose. It's not, doesn't matter what anyone thinks, it matters what the Almighty says, that's what it means. For the prophecy, the word of God, came not at any time by the will of man. Somebody just doesn't make it up, but, the real word comes when holy men of God speak as they are breathed upon, pneumos, breathed upon by the Ruach Kodesh, the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit breathes on them and they speak like David, the rock spoke to him and now he speaks. Like the, the, like the voice from heaven spoke and they all heard it. Peter heard it, it's the first time he's speaking about it. Just like that, what he is saying, I have heard from heaven, now I'm telling you, so that you are not destroyed. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, but conversely, there were false prophets among the people then in Israel, even as there are gonna be false teachers among you, who privately, who surreptitiously, who, who behind the scenes bring in damnable heresies. They deny the Lord that bought them and they're gonna bring upon themselves swift destruction because these people need to be handled with an iron glove, with the long end of a spear because they're the sons of Belial. As it says in Revelation, you've tried those who say they're sent ones and they're not, they're jokers, they're liars, good job. See, there are things that, that have to be understood with the gravity with which the scripture gives it to us. And now I wanna take you to the words of David, but these are about the last words of Moses. And to do this, we need to go back to Psalm. Psalm, the 103rd Psalm. The 103rd Psalm. Give you a moment to get there. Oh, this is beautiful. Bless Yahovah, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name, which is Yahovah. Bless Yahovah, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. And what are the benefits? The benefits are, as he says, you benefit, you are blessed if you obey him, if you keep his commandments. He forgives all all of our iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems thy life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness in his tender mercies. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. This is it's a beautiful verse here because the, the eastern eagle in its waning years gets so feeble, his wings get so heavy, so difficult that it is almost grounded in the eagle. To renew its strength, it flies high into the sky and then takes a death dive and plunges into the water, ripping its feathers off from him. He then gets to shore and then molts the rest of his feathers and 
then his feathers start growing back on. And as his plumage then becomes full, he can then take off and soar into the heavens for one last season of its life. Thy youth is renewed like the eagles. I take that as a promise to me. Stripped of everything, every bit of energy and strength gone, without heroic intervention, wouldn't have made it another month. But yet, the Almighty intervened, and with heroic intervention, and thanks to Israeli inventions, my youth has been renewed like the eagles. He satisfied my mouth with good things, because it is his word, his righteousness and judgment that has liberated me because I was oppressed. I grew up oppressed by religion, and he set me free. In verse seven, a very precious, a very exceeding precious promise. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. See, and we're going to see as Moses lays out his ways and what was done in the temple to remember his ways as they were revealed unto Moses. Because at the time we only saw his acts, the children of Israel, we saw what the Almighty did, but we didn't understand why he did it, not until Moses gives us his last words. Verse eight, we're going to continue. Yahovah is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He's not always going to chide with us, though he does at times. Neither, neither will he keep his anger forever, and yes, he does get angry. But he has not dealt with us after our sins. He has not rewarded us according to our iniquities. See, the Almighty is, is loving. He is kind. He understands who we are. We, we see that the terminology in what Israel so many times got into was attributing maleficent intent to a loving God. Did you bring us out here into this wilderness to kill us? And they chode with Moses. They were assigning to the Almighty maleficent intent as if he brought us out in order to kill us. They, he parted the Red Sea in order so he could really kill us. See, that is blasphemy. That is attributing maleficent intent to our loving Heavenly Father. You know, there are things that we deserve judgment on, but yet, as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. All you have to do is bow the knee and confess the sin. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. He's like a father, a father who pities and loves his children. Just, he just loves them so much, so Yahovah, he loves those just like little children that fear him. He knows our frame. He knows that we're nothing but dust. He knows, as we know, that our days are just like grass, just like the flower of the field. Grows up, wind passes over it, and it's gone. And where it was, it's not remembered. But what is remembered, the mercy of Yahovah is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. And his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant, and that's to whom it is addressed, to those that keep his covenant and those that remember his commandments and do them. Everything that is spoken all hinges upon this. These are the ones that love and respect him. Those that keep his covenant, those that remember his commandments and actually do them. Yahweh has prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So bless Yehovah. Bless Yehovah, his angels that excel in strength far beyond us. Bless Yehovah, those that do his commandments and hearken unto the voice of his word. Bless Yehovah, all his host, his armies in heaven and below. Ye ministers of him that do his pleasure, bless Yehovah. All his works in all places of his dominion, bless Yahovah, O oh, my soul. 
Now we are going to see the famous last words of Moses. We are going to see that he made known his acts to the children of Israel, but he made known his ways unto Moses. And these are the words of Moses just before he dies. This is one message that he delivers to the children of Israel who are all gathered together just before going into the promised land. And I'm going to take you to the very end of this book in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and in verse seven. Verse seven, we read. And Moses called under, unto Yehoshua, or Jesus, it's the same word, it's Yehoshua, Yeshua, and said unto him, in the sight of all Israel. And so this is the public ordination. Be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with his people under the land or into the land which Yehovah has sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. Moses is not going over. He broke the prophetic shadow picture of striking the rock a second time instead of declaring it. And so now he is commissioning Joshua, Yehoshua, to lead the people into the promised land. In Yehovah, he it is that goes before you. He's with you. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to forsake you. Do not fear. Do not be discouraged. And Moses wrote this law, this Torah, this entire thing, that, that the entire book of Deuteronomy, he wrote it all down. These are the words, his last words. He wrote it and he delivered it to the priests, the sons of Eli, which bear the Ark of the Covenant of Yahovah. And he delivered it to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them saying, at the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, the Shemitah, in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all of Israel comes up to appear before Yahovah in the place that he shall choose, then you shall read this Torah before all Israel in their hearing. He's not talking about Genesis through Devarim, he's speaking of Devarim, that the entire thing is to be heard every seventh year. He said to gather the people together, the men, the women and the children and the stranger that's in your gates so that they may hear and that they may learn and that they may fear Yehovah and that they may observe even the stranger in their gates, the Gentiles that have joined themselves to Israel to guard and to do all the words of this law, this Torah. This would be well for us to do in the Christian world so that we will no longer be anomia, that we will no longer just be helter-skelter so that we have some kind of foundation, not just ever-changing rules of our denomination. Get them together and read the entire word of this Torah, the book of Deuteronomy. His words, Moses' famous last words. And he says to do this, that their children, which have not known anything, may hear. Because if they were born, and then seven, six years later in their life is the seventh year, at six years of age, they're gonna hear it. And then every seven years after that, they are going to hear, and they will learn to fear Yehovah. As long as you live in this land, that is what you're gonna do. You will go up to the place he puts his name and that is where you are going to rehearse these things. We're gonna go back to the beginning of Deuteronomy. Not to the very beginning, which I already gave you the first few words, but Deuteronomy chapter five and verse one. Deuteronomy chapter five, verse one, Deverim. Moses called Israel, all of Israel, and said unto them. Now he's gonna start laying it out. He gave the background and he says, Shema Yisrael, Shema, hear and obey Israel. Hear and obey the statutes and judgment which I speak into your ears this day, that you may learn them and guard them and do them. 
And then he begins to tell a story that is unique to planet Earth. Yehovah, our God, made a covenant with us at Horeb. He did not make this covenant with our forefathers, but with us, even us. You who are all alive here right now, right this day, just before I die, just before you go over the Jordan River, just before you go take Jericho, just before you go over there and circumcise because you haven't done it in 40 years and keep Passover for the first time since we left Mount Sinai 40 years earlier, you were there at that mountain. Yahovah spoke with you face to face. Out of the mount, right out of the midst of this flaming fire, and I stood between Yahovah and you at that time because you were afraid because of the fire and you were afraid to go up close to the mountain. You, you said to us, and I'll, I'll just go from memory, you know, Moses, Moses, we're afraid we're going to die. I'm taking you right back to Exodus chapter 20. We're afraid you're going to die after the 10th commandment was shouted down. We're afraid we're gonna die. You go up into the mountain, please, and so Almighty, whatever he tells you, you come back down and tell us, and we promise we'll obey. We are afraid we're going to die. And so I went up into the mountain. But that's the day that the Almighty spoke with you and said, and he repeats, I am Yahovah, thy Elohim. And he repeats the 10 statements that were made at Mount Sinai. And finally he gets down, in six days you'll labor and do thy work. And why I'm skipping to that one is because it's repeated over and over and over in Moses' last words. Six days you work. Six days work. But the seventh is a Sabbath of Yehovah. In it, you're not, going, you're not going to do any work. Neither you, your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, your ox, your ass, any of your cattle, or the stranger that is in your gates because they are under the same Torah. So that, and you're gonna do this, you're gonna rest so that your your maidservant is gonna rest just as well as you do. And remember, and remember on that day that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, you got no day off. None of the world got a day off at that time. And even Israel has been criticized through the ages that uh, they're lazy, they take a day off. Well, they get a day off because the Almighty will keep them and will cause them to prosper even if they do not put their nose to the grindstone to be a, a, a consumer and a taxpayer every single day of their living life. And he said, Yahweh brought you out with a mighty hand. He brought you out of Egypt and he commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. At Mount Sinai in the 23rd chapter, this is after Moses goes up, after the commandments are shouted down and the people says, you go up in the mountain, you know, whatever the Almighty tells you, you tell us and come back down and tell us. His closing statements, just before he comes back down, the Almighty reiterates what he did in in great detail when he shouted it down. He said six days you shall do work and on the seventh day thou shalt rest. Your ox and your ass, they need to rest. Your, the, the son of your handmaid, the stranger, everyone needs to be refreshed. And all these things that I've said to you, be circumspect, inspect, circumspect circumference, watch all the way around you. Be careful, do not make mention of the name of other gods. Don't let it be heard out of your mouth. I don't wanna hear anything about Easter Sunday, okay? I don't want that, 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 that witch of Babylon to be remembered. I want her name to be blotted out. Easter, may her name be blotted out. I don't wanna hear it. I don't wanna hear their names mentioned. I don't want them in my face. I don't want you to learn the way of the heathen. I want you to be holy to me. Well, this, this is the very same thing that, that Moses reiterates uh, to the, in Leviticus, the instructions of the Levites. 
It says in Leviticus chapter 23, concerning the feast of the Lord, it says, in Yahweh I've spoken to Moses saying, you speak to the children of Israel and tell them this. Tell them this concerning the feast of Yahovah. They are not the feast of the Jews. They're not the feast of Israel. They're my feast. They belong to me. And you shall proclaim them to be Kadosh Mikrah, holy rehearsals, holy convocations, holy rehearsals. Now we knew that they rehearsed and remembered good things that happened in the past, but until after Yeshua fulfilled the spring feast, it could never be spoken that these are holy rehearsals of prophetic shadow pictures of good things to come. He said, these are my feast, in case you, you don't get it. In case you wanna call them your feast, these belong to me. They're holy rehearsals, they belong to me, and this is how we're going to do it. First of all, six days will work be done. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. You're not going to do any work therein. It is the Sabbath of Yahovah in all of your dwellings. So that's where it all starts out, ladies and gentlemen, reiterated over and over and over in Deuteronomy. But now I want to take you deeper into the last words of Moses. Because here is where Moses is going to reiterate the importance of not only the Sabbath, but also the feast of the Lord and why they are so important and why he told us to keep them forever. And so please go to Deuteronomy chapter 16 and in verse one. Observe the month of Abib, it says in your King James Version. Bad translation because the word observe is shamar, which is to guard. It is to guard like the guard at the gate of a fortress. Guard the month of the Aviv, it says in Hebrew. Now when you see Abib, anytime you see a bee, in a Hebrew word, in the body of it, it is normally, just about every time, it is pronounced as a vet instead of a bet, okay? It's not Elizabeth, it's Elisheva, okay? It's not Abib, it's Aviv. And so, when it says to guard the month of the Aviv, it does it for a reason, because it's not the month of Abib. There's no month called Abib. As a matter of fact, Aviv is an ancient Hebrew agricultural term that defines the level of maturity of barley. That is what it is. It, re, it is associated completely with and only with barley. Maturity of a very important crop in the land of Israel, the poor man's crop, barley. And when the barley is Aviv in the spring, that's the time it's harvested and that after the first fruit offering is made, that is the first time that even the poor get to eat of that year's barley. So until that first fruit offering is done, it's not the month of the, uh, uh, until it's Aviv, it's not the month of the Aviv. Well, we're gonna continue on because this is a commandment. Guard the month of the Aviv and keep the Passover under Yehovah thy Elohim. Now you notice in your King James Version, the word Passover here is not capitalized. It's a proper noun, it's not capitalized, and yet they capitalized Aviv, which is just a term that relates to barley. See, that's why theology, the theology of the translators gets into this. They wanna minimize the feast of the Lord. They're his feast, every one, every, almost every letter should be capitalized because they belong to Almighty God, all right? You try to minimize it, yeah, good luck. It's not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> 